Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Book Isn't Necessarily Better, a library podcast from the Community Library Network. I'm Michaela. And I'm Roxanne. Today we're going to talk about Mary Poppins and P.L. Travers. Let's jump right in. All right. Uh, First, Michaela, I just really want to apologize in advance because I don't know if my bad Cockney accent will come out or not. Oh, I hope so. It might come out to play. I Um, hope so. If we would ever be so lucky as to have anyone from East London listening to this podcast, Mm. um, I'm sorry. But, you know, (laughs) Dick Van Dyke's already let you down on that. So let's get right into it. Let's do it. Mary Poppins was a book series Mm -hmm. that was written over a 50-year period. Wow. So the first book, Mary Poppins, came out in 1934, and the last of the seven books came out in 1988. That's crazy. And you can either say there's like seven or eight books because there were some books that were like Mary Poppins A to Z. So it was really right. more of like a cookbook. So that's why it's that a little kind of counts. I'm going to say eight is yeah. the number. So this series has Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins comes back. Mary Poppins opens the door. Mary Poppins in Cherry Tree Lane. Mary Poppins in the kitchen. Mary Poppins from A to Z. Mary Poppins in the house next door. And finally, Mary Poppins in the park. So who wrote these wonderful children's stories? Well, a very cantankerous woman <laughs> named P.L. Travers. P.L. Travers was born Helen Lyndon Goff in Queensland, Australia in 1899. Her parents were originally from England, although her father, whose name was Travers Goff, do you see where I'm going with this? I see where this is going. His first name was Travers. He presented himself as being an Irishman. Ironically, P.L. Travers always told people that she also felt ethnically Irish. So she's English, grew up in Australia, but identifies as Irish. As someone who used to live in Ireland, I can almost hear their eyes rolling Mm -hmm. from thousands of miles Mm -hmm. away. I kind of thought they might. There's nothing more obnoxious to Irish than Americans or people from any other country being obsessed with them. Basically, it's why are you so obsessed with us? Yeah. So her father was a big character. Travers Goff was a banker. You might see some connections to bank what manager, she Bank manager, yeah. He was a bank manager. He also unfortunately suffered from alcoholism. He died when she was only seven. Now, he actually died in disgrace. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a big storyteller. He was a lot of fun. But his struggle with alcoholism meant that he was actually demoted from a bank manager to a bank clerk. Yep. But they were incredibly close together. She would lie, though, about her father. So you can kind of see exactly where Peel Travers got this. So her Mm -hmm. father was a big storyteller. Um, He had a fantastic imagination. But of course, you know, he was just a bank manager. And Peel Travers would lie and say that her father was a wealthy sugarcane planter on an Australian plantation. Wow. And he actually didn't come from much in London, but he did marry into money. So her mm-hmm. mother was old money. And I think they may have eloped because he was sort of the penniless boy who charmed his way into marrying that her. Penniless banker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that her mother was drawn to, you know, his big personality, mm-hmm. but it's he, not he sort like of ruined like that. Yeah. He did sort mm-hmm. of ruin her life though mm-hmm. and put Emily through a lot of grief. And how many siblings were there? I don't know. Oh, okay. 
I, I thought she had at least a couple of sisters. Yeah, I believe she had uh, a couple of sisters. But there was a big defining force in her life. When her father was struggling with alcoholism, her mother called upon her sister, Ellie. Aunt Ellie was a big stabilizing force in the Goff family. She came and she was very no-nonsense, but mm-hmm. she did, you know, sort of have a twinkle in her eye and, and she got the family through their hardest struggles. Sure. When her father died, they did sort of have to rely on the charity of their rich relatives. And so they did bounce around. And Helen, I'll call her Helen for now, she moved to England when she was a young woman. She had wanted to be an actress when she was in Australia. She was pretty, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, not every little girl gets to grow up to be right. a famous actress. Yeah. So she did try being an actress for a while. She certainly probably had the personality for it and got sure. a lot of it from her father. She was but, in a professional Shakespearean troupe for a, for some time. Oh. Yeah. Well, when she was an actress, that's when she changed her name to Pamela Linden Travers. So taking her dad's first name as her last name, that officially came her pen name. And where did she get Pamela? I think she just told people later that she liked how it sounded. I think she just liked Pamela. Pamela Travers. Yeah, she just liked (laughs) Pamela. It sounds very English. Pamela Travers is such a contradiction because by all accounts, she was such a curmudgeon, but then she has this fantastic imagination. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense that somebody with her personality would also be able to create such whimsy. But the way that the whimsy comes across is different in different adaptations. I actually think the Mary Poppins of the books is very strict. She is, yeah. It is just amazing to me that a woman who is very strict also does have the capacity for true whimsy. Well, I, I bet a lot of that came from her dad. And yeah, from absolutely. those childhood memories. Well, so when she wanted to be an actress, her family disapproved of this. They wanted her to, you know, sort of follow the, the normal path. They probably were trying to rebuild the family after the death and chaos of having an alcoholic father. She moved to England when she was a young woman and she became a journalist. When she was 39, you know, she had had a pretty long career by then already of working in journalism. She had become a writer. She never actually got married, uh, but she did have relationships with both men and women. She was really private though Mm -hmm. about her life extremely but what's funny about her being so private is that she did sell all of her papers and correspondence to a college near the end of her life i didn't know that that seems so out of character she's a woman of contradictions i tell you Mm -hmm. yeah so she would get really angry actually when people would try to delve into her personal life but then here's all of my inner thoughts But she's dead at that point, right? Like, she's like, okay, after I'm gone, you guys can know everything about me. I suppose so. I guess it's like Mark Twain writing a biography and then wanting it released 100 years after his death. Oh, yeah. Kind of like that. I guess ours would be like everyone reading your texts, but like 10 years after you're dead. I don't even (laughs) want to read my own text like five minutes later. So why... I didn't want to start a Twitter account because I heard the Library of Congress was archiving all tweets for a while. Oh, way to go, Library of Congress. I was like, well, I'm not letting my (laughs) great-grandkids read that. So, yeah, she she had a very private life, but um, there were some... There's some oddness in Mm -hmm. it, for sure. So maybe that's why it was private. By oddness, specifically, I don't mean her personal relationships romantically. I mean her family that she created. She adopted a baby when she was From Ireland. From Ireland. (laughs) from a a literary family that she was friends with. So the grandparents had been taking care of like eight children. Yep. And so she adopted one child out of a pair of twins. Yeah. And she chose the better twin, quote unquote. (laughs) And then she, oh my God, she chose her 
favorite twin that she liked better. She raised him to believe that she was his birth mother. And when he would ask about his father, she would say, and I quote, daddy had had some sort of accident and died in the tropics. So he believed this. <laughs> wow. His, her son, until he was 17 years old when the other twin knocked on the door one day. Enter stage left. Absolutely. Uh, they went to a pub and started comparing notes with each other. And obviously from there, it was a pretty strange relationship. Right? Like, hey, you look like me. Where do you come from? Yeah. Well, he mm-hmm. tracked him down and... His name is Camillus, right? Yes. Did so he Cam- know about the twin? No. I didn't so, think so. Camillus didn't know about the twin until one day the twin knocked on his door hmm. and said, I found you. <laughs> And the twin hadn't had a great upbringing. I think he right. had been farmed out to various foster families. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Camillus grew up in relative nicety. Pretty well, yeah, wealthy. wealthy and probably had wonderful experiences being the son of an author. Eh, she's kind of curmudgeonly, though. Who knows? I know. But uh, <laughs> again, what but yeah, basically they, they went and got drunk together and basically compared notes about all of this. And from then on, it was a absolutely uh, strained relationship with his mother, which I can't blame him. No, that's pretty weird. To have happened to you. Yes. I imagine. So she was a she was a bit of a character. She was appointed an officer of the Order of the British Empire in 1977. Wow. And she lived forever. She did. Well, she she died when I believe she was 96. Ooh. But I mean, she wrote for like 60 years of her mm-hmm. life consistently. In the introduction to one of the collections of her books that we do have here at the library, Gregory Maguire wrote it. And he's uh, the author who wrote like Wicked, Son of a Witch, those sort of like fairy recreations. So he wrote the foreword to this and to do that he went to her house to interview her and he had had this whole interview set up. He gets to her house and she's like and she's like in her 80s at this point. He's like, "Oh, are you the meter man? And he's like, no, I'm here to to talk to Mrs. Travers. And the maid like lets him in and he sits down and Gail Travers like starts like talking to him because he asked her like questions about her life and stuff. And she's like, I don't know why I'm telling all this to the meter man. <laughs> and then he's like, at the end of the thing, he's like, I left and she never got her meter read that day. But she was very like up till the end, just very like catty. And also, I mean, sharp, but also didn't quite know where she was toward the end. It sounds like she did not suffer fools. I cannot. No. Uh, <laughs> Stress that enough. Right. She would not have liked Roxanne and I at all. (laughs) Especially not me. Oh my goodness. So let's talk about Mary Poppins. So now that we know the woman behind the book, what did she create? So let's talk about the book first. Mary Poppins, Mm -hmm. written in 1934. Man, if you have seen adaptations of Mary Poppins, but you haven't read the book, you're in for a surprise. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very different. Peel Travers was follower of Buddhism. And there are entire passages of the book that just go off on philosophical rants. I didn't know she was a Buddhist. She was. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now that you say that, looking back on... I just finished it a couple days ago, and I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just passages where there'll be like a snake talking about the meaning of life. Yeah, in a zoo. We're all born to suffer, (laughs) but, you know, let let life wash past you, and it makes a lot of sense. Oh, I need to read it again now, because in that light, it's a totally different book. Yeah, it's almost a philosophy book. And to be clear, Mary Poppins is not intended to be a children's book. No. That really annoyed P.L. Travers. I mean, everything annoyed her. But, right. but this it, especially. 
<laughs> this was uh, number one on her pet peeves list. Really didn't understand why people saw it as a children's book. Mm-hmm. Just she was like, just because there's children in it, they're learning lessons. Why would that make it a children's book? And the funny thing is, I didn't really read it as a children's book either. Really, if you're looking at it, there's not a lot of like what you would call plot. No, no, it's the, it's like it's vignettes. like a series of adventures. So yeah, getting into the plot a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Banks are a London couple. They don't make it clear in the book when this is set, but based on illustrations and a little bit later, like they never say this is 1911. Right. You can, using context clues, it doesn't seem to be the 30s. No. It's probably more like the late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah, the Edwardian period, yeah. which is like 1901 to the start of World War One. Mm-hmm. That seems more accurate. And in the reflective of almost her own childhood. Yeah. And in the book, they live in London on at 17 Cherry Tree Lane, and they live in a shabby house, mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Banks, with their four children, because Mr. Banks tells Mrs. Banks <laughs> that she has a choice. She can either have a nice house or she can have four children, and she chose to have four children. And later five. Later five. Yeah. Is it Annabelle mm-hmm. who comes along in the later books? Yeah. So Mr. and Mrs. Banks, they have their four children. They have uh, Jane and Michael, who were familiar with from the movie, but then there's also set of baby twins john and barbara john and barbara and barbara's such a weird name for a baby actually when i was named roxanne as a baby my family did feel like it was super weird having a baby roxanne around the house because it feels like such a grown-up name (laughs) it does i totally agree did they call you like little annie little annie little annie it's never occurred to me that annie could be a nickname for my name yeah i'm gonna call you that from now on just blew my mind Uh, no, I was called Rocky. My family calls me Rocky. Okay, see, that's an appropriate like childish nickname. Yeah. But they did think it was weird. Another fun fact, my middle name was Claire because it was the 80s and my sisters were allowed to pick my middle name. Mm. And Claire is one of the Babysitter's Club members. Oh. My middle name was picked out of a hat by my great uncles when my grandma was born. What is it? There were seven boys and then they knew they were having a girl and they were like, we have no girls' names. So all of the brothers threw names into a hat and they picked the two and that was my grandma's name. So her name is Carol Jean. So my middle name was Jean and I changed it because I hate it. What is it now? Pamela Travers? No, it's my... it's. I also took kind of my dad's last name. I My middle name is my maiden name. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Ruth Bader Ginsburg for all you out there. I followed that path. <laughs> okay. Going back to the Mary Poppins story. So it's already different that there are two babies, mm-hmm. um, John and Barbara. And they do play a significant part. They do. And they go everywhere with Mary Poppins and the other kids on all of their adventures. They're just mm-hmm. in their little pram. And they talk to birds. Yes. So there is an entire story, like chapter. Michaela said, yeah. Yeah, entire chapter. It's actually just different afternoons of adventures mm-hmm. that they go on. Basically. So for instance, one afternoon is all about the babies and In this world, before babies turn one, they are able to speak to basically the elements of the earth and animals. So for instance, they are in their crib at the beginning of this chapter and they're speaking to sunlight. Mm-hmm. And they speak to the wind and they speak to birds. Mary Poppins can also speak to birds and these elements. Mm-hmm. This leads me to my first question. Mary Poppins arrives by magic. Mm-hmm. She is a magical person. On the east wind. On the east wind. She comes. She says she'll stay until the wind changes. Is she a witch? I think P.L. Travers would have a real problem with categorizing her as a witch. Okay. I think she's a witch. I think she's a witch as well. Yeah. 
I, she more or less has all of those witchy qualities you look for in a in a human being. She has telepathy. Yep. Uh, she can talk to different sorts of animals, and again, the the weather and all sorts of things. Can she fly in the book? She uses her umbrella to get around. So just like the movie, because well, like in it lifts the, her on the wind. Well, in the book, she. Arrives not by gracefully coming down like in the movie. <laughs> right. She slams into the front That's gate true. by the wind. Yeah. So I think she maybe can like go on wafts of wind. Yeah. But she, she also can not... teleport herself anywhere by like jumping into pictures or. Right. Yeah. She can influence the world around her and talk to things that normal adults can't. I say witch. I say witch. You know, it might be a, a hot take. I don't think so. I actually think that's a pretty lukewarm take for both of us. <laughs> I think mine's like almost close to boiling, but mm, okay. 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 I think my take's hot. Okay. <laughs> and speaking of saying something's hot, Mary Poppins thinks she is hot. She, yeah, she thinks she is all that and a cup of tea. Yeah. Man. In the movie, she's played by the beautiful movie star Julie Andrews. In the We're talking about the first one. It, correct. Yeah. Uh, in the book, she is described as a plain, tall woman. Mm-hmm. But what I think is very fun is that she's incredibly vain. You don't oh, see so a lot of vain incredibly. characters. Do you? Who aren't villains? Oh, no. Villains are, yeah, always vain. But Mary Poppins, it's just part of her personality is that yeah. they always describe what she's wearing. She's like, she was wearing her new... Her new kid gloves. Her new kid gloves, and she was very proud of herself and thinking that nobody else in the world must look as lovely and polished as she does yes. that day. They're Christmas shopping, and Michael's... Like, they only have so much time to go Christmas shopping. And he's, like, desperate to pull her away from the window because she keep. He's like, I know she would like to admire her reflection more, but we only have so much time. Yeah, anytime there's a mirror window, she has to stop and admire herself. Mm-hmm. I really like not, that. I do, too, because she's not vain in, like, a vapid sort of way. It's just a facet of her personality. It's a like, fact to her that she is right. great. And I think that, again, most characters who are vain are either villains or that's the only piece of their character that you see. Sure. It's usually, like, a shallow a valley one, girl or something. Yeah. Very one-dimensional depiction. And I think P.L. Travers was probably vain. I mean, I, Mary Poppins is really a stand-in for Travers. incredibly vain. Yeah. Like I was saying, she goes, they go on all these adventures. They become friends with Bert, who is the match seller. He also has other jobs. He is not a chimbley sweep, though. Yes, I said chimbley. <laughs> I know. He's not a chimbley sweep in the book at all. He uh, he sells matches. He draws pictures um, on, the sidewalk. on the sidewalk. I think there's an official name for that of somebody. Sidewalk artist. Yeah, he busks. They also have another friend who's not in the adaptations, who is the sort of like the park keeper. They go to the park every Mm -hmm. day and so he that does come up in mary poppins returns okay well we're gonna get to it how i couldn't finish that movie because i hated (laughs) it (laughs) at least in the book they're also friends with the park keeper did you know that mary poppins on certain birthdays that land on fridays if they go to the zoo then there's a big party for her there where all of the animals (laughs) are outside the cages and they look at humans in the cages and it's absolute whimsy yes So in most of the chapters, they have these adventures that are supernatural or something magical happens that absolutely couldn't happen in the natural world. Mm -hmm. 
like going to the zoo where the animals can talk. But what's very frustrating <laughs> is that Mary Poppins totally gaslights the kids. Hard. So they'll talk about it later like, and she'll say, I don't know what you're talking about. Jane, don't you remember that charming zoo adventure we went on last night? And then Mary Poppins will say, nobody went to the zoo at night. People don't go to the zoo at night. That's insane. That's, that's what? bizarre. I am a respectable woman. Why would I be out after 9 p.m. at the zoo? Right. And then you notice that she has a belt of snakeskin on, which the snake gave to her as a birthday present at the zoo. It's very frustrating. It's so frustrating. But it's exactly like as a kid when your parents give you an explanation for something that doesn't quite satisfy your curiosity, you're like, that's definitely not how that happened, but you have to But I don't have the tools to verbally fight back on this. Yeah. Your parents have the authority. She is that figure. Absolutely. Mm Going into her personality in the books a little bit more, she's crabby, stiff. I really can't think of when she really does show affection to them. There's no Julie Andrews twinkle in her eye whatsoever. She is responsible. She takes care of the children, but she's not there to be sweet. Yeah, she's not their friend. She is their nanny. And she is going to raise them right. Yeah. Uh, She's super strict. Uh, She's severe is how I put it in my notes. that's good. And she doesn't say goodbye. My notes just leaves. Yeah, she basically goes out for cigarettes, quote unquote, and never comes back. (laughs) Whereas in the movie, uh, you know, they're they're saying goodbye to her and it's very tearful. And a few more things in the book. Uh, Mr. Banks is hardly in it at all. And that's really different than the adaptation. So let's move on to how the book is compares to these adaptations. So the original one from 1964 with Julie Andrews. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm correct. Yeah, I know. I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> arguing about that. <laughs> I'm always under the fence now. Sorry, I was not, not disputing that. Okay. The 1964 version is a musical. It has cartoons in it. It was a many Oscar winning movie. Mm-hmm. It starred Julie Andrews as Mary Poppins, who could not be farther from the, the Mary Poppins of the mm-hmm. book. She actually, in sort of her interview with Mr. Banks in the movie, says that she's always cheerful. Oh, yeah. Which is would be... I always have rosy cheeks. Yeah, that's just a bald face lie if right. it came from the book Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. And she blows in on the east wind. And right? blows all of the other nannies out. They're yes. all waiting there. They're queued up to like yes. interview and they just all blow away. Whereas in the book, um, it's just her. She just arrives. Yeah. There's nobody else. And the children had been running away from their, their nanny. So Mary <laughs> Poppins just basically arrives to lay down the law. Lay down the law. Uh, now in the movie, it's a lot about Mr. Banks. Tons about Mr. Banks. Mm-hmm. It's very like I rewatched this as an adult and had a completely different experience than I did as a kid. Because as a kid, like, I'm like, oh, there's dancing penguins. There's fun, like, animation things in Mm -hmm. here. As an adult, I was, like, crying for Mr. Banks. I'm like, his kids are awful to him. He has this horrible job that he doesn't enjoy. But he does it just to, like, keep his family happy and healthy. And, man, I feel bad for that guy. Absolutely. Uh, The gender roles in... The marriage between Mr. and Mrs. Banks. I don't think I know any couples like that Mm-mm. today. She's very um, obsequious with yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so she is a suffragette, and we find out in Saving <laughs> Mr. Banks, they make her a suffragette because it's hard for anyone in the 1960s to imagine that a mother would have a nanny when she's home all day, when she doesn't have a job. Right. <laughs> Yeah. In the book, she's always going out to lunch with friends. Yeah. yeah, Sounds fun. She's always doing some things that today we'd be like, that's not a legit reason to leave your kids. Yeah. Or you'd get them a babysitter for the day. 
you wouldn't like have a full-time nanny who lived in your house. Yes. They also have a full-time maid and a full-time cook. Mm -hmm. In the book, they have like a full-time gardener handyman. Yeah. All around general. Who they seem Jack of all trades. Who the dad hates. Yeah. Because he is a layabout. He doesn't ever do anything. (laughs) But yeah, it's a lot more about Mr. Banks. Mrs. Banks is a suffragette. Mm -hmm. She sings. Oh my God. (laughs) I think we should maybe compress Sadie, Mr. Banks and the Mary Poppins movie. Sure. Let's do it. So let's bring in the movie Saving Mr. Banks. It came out in 2013. Mm -hmm. And that stars Tom Hanks as Walt Disney and Emma Thompson as P.L. Travers, who plays her wonderfully. It's about the making of Mary Poppins, basically. So it's not a straight adaptation. It's more of a look behind the scenes. And you get a lot more of the sense that P.L. Travers was a hard person to deal with. Disney wanted to buy the rights to Mary Poppins for a very, very long time. And she refused until she was kind of hard up uh, for cash and needed to sell the rights off. But then she wanted to have full creative control, at least according to this movie. I'm not sure how accurate this is to real life. I don't know if you can weigh in on that at all. Basically, one long fight between her and Walt Disney trying to get this movie made. And she disagrees with every single one of their ideas. She thinks the word responsible is stupid. (laughs) She (laughs) went in the a fun line is let's not tell her about supercalifragilistic XVL delicious yet. (laughs) Yeah, she does not made up words. She does not want Mary Poppins to be whimsical at all. She definitely doesn't want Dick Van Dyke to be in the movie. And we didn't even talk about Dick Van Dyke in this movie. And his Cockney accent. Oh, yeah. His Cockney accent. And just the fact that he's all over it when I don't feel like he needs to be. She also had an issue with any hint of a romance between Mary Poppins Mm. and Bert. Mm -hmm. And Bert, of course, does have different jobs in the movie. Right. Not necessarily the same as the book. So he does play, he's a one-man band. band. That's great. (laughs) Uh, But he's most famous for being a chimbley sweep. Yep. With the famous song Chim Chim Puri and Step in Time. Peel Travers especially had an issue with the cartoon penguins in Mary Poppins. It's kind of my least favorite. Okay. As an adult watching this again, do you like the original Mary Poppins movie? I liked the I liked the home scenes, I suppose. Okay. And I actually it's one of the rare movies where I, I like the ending better than the first half. Okay. I So I, I like the bank parts. I like I like the feed the birds. That song sure. gets me full clumps. Yep. I just think it's it's long and I don't think it translates to now. Like watching it as an adult, I was like, why Do you did mean I... the full movie or the yeah, cartoon parts? Like, why did I ever watch this as a kid? Because it is so long. There's It is like two and a half hours. It's very long and the songs aren't always as good as I remember. There's There are some really good ones in there. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Going to disagree. I couldn't believe that this was a hit parade. These songs were all written by the Sherman Brothers, who were famous Disney composers. They also wrote the Tiki Room songs for Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just don't think it holds up. To I today. think it absolutely holds up. Julie Andrews, international treasure. Mm. Looks great as a brunette. She does. Dick Van Dyke is wonderful and still See, alive. I think he's one of the reasons this movie does not work for me. And I don't tell think me, it's tell I don't why. think it's his fault because I absolutely I'm an old person at heart and Diagnosis Murder is one of my favorite shows. Okay, Dick Van Dyke so is wrong. acting the heck out of it. And is that too much for it's you? Too is that much the problem? And I think part of it is the writing. I think that they wrote him to be too big. He steals every scene he's in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially. And he's in too many of those scenes. <laughs> So Disney gets the rights to this movie in Saving Mr. Banks. How? Well, basically there is a heart to heart between Pale Travers and Walt Disney after they spend a day at Disneyland, which she hates. And I love that because Mm -hmm. 
I love Disneyland, unabashedly. Mm-hmm. She would hate Disneyland, she though. She would. Too much whimsy. It's, it's the same reason that I, I suspect me as an adult would also not like Disneyland. Like, here's what I think would happen. Yeah. You would go into Disneyland not wanting to like it. And then just be charmed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This actually happened. <laughs> to you? No, not to me, because oh. my family actually has a history of Disneyland. Oh, okay. Okay. Fun fact, my dad went to Disneyland in 1955 when he was a little boy. That's mm-hmm. the year that it opened. Oh. So my family has always had a soft spot in our hearts for Disneyland. Okay. My husband, Ryan, does not like amusement parks. He doesn't like rides. Mm-hmm. So when I suggested that on our last trip to California in at this <laughs> February of 2020. Oh, oh my. Mid-February, mm-hmm. right before the world ended. I said, let's go to Disneyland. And he was very reluctant, but mm-hmm. they did have the Star Wars land opening. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, humor me. I think you're going to love it. Skeptical. And then the minute we get there, it, it was all done for him. He's like a little kid again. He loved it. Oh. And we had a wonderful time. That's we ate sweet. at the Jolly Holiday Bakery, which is uh, uh, the Mary Poppins themed. Yeah. They have stained glass of little penguin waiters. Oh, cute. It's very charming. Okay. Okay. Charming, again, is our buzzword of the day. <laughs> We've said it more times in my life than I've ever said the word charming. Today. Believe it or not, I say charming a lot. Does but that, that shock doesn't you? surprise me. No. no. I feel like, tell me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. Walt Disney and the relationship he has with P.L. Travers yeah, is it's a you bit, and I. Yeah, it's sort of our it's working It's 100% relationship. you and me. Who, who do you <laughs> think you are? Oh, I know I'm P.L. Travers. And I know I'm Walt Disney. <laughs> There's no debate about that whatsoever. No, no, no. You would tell somebody coming in with a cart of like treats to be like, turn that jollification around. <laughs> You're like, listen, it's it's jello, it jiggles, yeah. get it out of my sight. And like my enthusiasm might come off as phony. That's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, is- 100%. So this has just been a biography of Roxanne Michaela. Going back to how Walt Disney finally got the rights after decades of asking P.L. Travers for them. Walt Disney flies all the way to London after the relationship sort of broke down in California, the working relationship. And he realizes that he needs to essentially manipulate P.L. Travers Mm -hmm. into giving rights by saying that this movie is really about Mr. Banks. Slash... P.L. Travers's dad. Yes. So in Saving Mr. Banks, we get these really wonderful flashbacks to her childhood in the outback of Australia. And man, it looks bleak. <laughs> he manipulates her emotionally into signing over the rights by essentially making the movie really about Mr. Banks at heart. Mm-hmm. So whereas he's not in the book at all, in the movie, it's about his personal journey. Fun fact, did you know in the bank scene at the end of Mary Poppins, which does have more of a narrative than mm-hmm. than the book. Basically, the narrative is Mr. Banks' growth story. Yeah, more or Going less. from like a stressed out curmudgeon to being okay that he lost his job and then wants to go flying a kite. kite. Yeah. In the bank scene, you see all the very old bankers. Mm-hmm. And one of the bankers is played by Dick Van Dyke. Again, Dick Van Dyke is in this movie Uh too darn much. But he does somersaults, and that's fun. It's fun to see somebody who's playing an 80-year-old do a somersault. (sighs) It's wacky. (laughs) (laughs) We've already learned about my personality and how much I don't like wacky. I didn't realize you didn't like wacky. No, wacky is not up my alley. I don't particularly like wacky, but Dick Van Dyke does it. He he does wacky, and he He does does it good. 
Let's quickly talk about other adaptation of Mary Poppins. During Peel Travers' life, she was like, never again. She hated the movie. Absolutely despised it. In Save Mr. Banks, they show her having an emotional reaction to the Mr. Banks parts. But in reality, she really did hate this movie. She wasn't invited to the premiere, but she crashed it. Yeah. She straight up invited herself. Just pretty, pretty gutsy. Pretty great. Yeah. Paul Giamatti. And I'll never, ever say that again. But I like, I really like him in that movie. He just gets to me. His character is very sweet. He is very sweet. He's mm-hmm. um, a driver. Yeah, more or less. Like, like, like a gopher. He's a, kind he's of. a composite character. Oh yeah, yeah. There we um, go. So they created him as a composite of all of the workers that P.L. Travers did have friendly relationships with during her time working at Disney Studios. Mm-hmm. Another wonderful Paul Giamatti story. <laughs> so my wonderful mother Alma sent Alma. me a very classic. Mom text when <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman died, who said, Philip Seymour Hoffman died. I'm very bad. He was wonderful in sideways. <laughs> Which is my favorite. That's adorable. Yeah. So do you want to talk about the 2018 adaptation briefly? Would you? Because I'm going to be completely honest. I sat down to watch it four times. Okay. I didn't get halfway through it. <laughs> Did you skip to the middle and watch 10 minutes of the middle? Okay, so we talked about this with Michaela. So yeah. here I was having such a struggle to just sit down and watch the darn thing. And I said, I haven't even made it to Mary Poppins showing up. <laughs> and so she said, skip to the middle. So I actually just made it to... They just got back from their undersea adventure. So I, I got that far. I didn't that either, so that's fine. Okay. Basically, the 2018 adaptation, also by Disney, is called Mary Poppins Returns. I wanted to like it. Yeah, and basically, Emily Blunt plays Mary Poppins, and she returns to the... The Banks family after however many years she's been gone. Michael has grown up and has three kids of his own. No, he is a curmudgeon. He is a curmudgeon. And it takes place <laughs> in the Depression. Yeah. So his wife has died. He's bringing up three kids on his own. His daughter's name is Annabelle, which is a callback to the book. Yeah. So his children are trying to grow up. The bank is going to repossess the house. because and it's the same house from? From Mary Poppins, the, which I don't actually think it's the same house. It looks very different. It does. But it does, it's supposed, but it's to, supposed to, be to be the same 17 house. 17 Cherry Tree Lane. Yes. And Mary Poppins blows in on the wind basically to save the family once again. It's got Emily Blunt and I. she actually is very Julie Andrews esque. She's lovely. In it, she's I actually think she's, again, very charming. Not a word I use often, but I've used a lot today. But it it was good casting. Yeah, I think so. And I think she got the blessing of Julie Andrews. Probably. And she really obviously studied up on it because she does so many of the mannerisms the same way and some of the facial expressions the same way. So it's obvious that she was trying to be, because it's two different actresses like 45 years apart. She holds herself the same way. Yeah. And it's supposed to be the same Mary Poppins. Right. Yeah. She gets offended when they say like, you're not old. Yeah. You have to suspend disbelief just a little bit. Yeah. She's Um, like Peter Pan in that way, huh? Yeah, she really is. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is also in it. For all of you Hamilton fans out there, he's he's fine. <laughs> it's weird to see him clean shaven. Yeah. And I just have to say, and this this might be a hot take too, I don't like him as an actor. I like him as a writer. I think he's okay in the Hamilton that they filmed. Not great, but okay. But everything... <laughs> do you, you think you could do better or what? <laughs> no. Um, but I think someone could. Huh. Yeah. That's um, a hot take. Yeah. But I just, everything I've ever seen him as an actor in, I don't love. And I definitely don't love him in this. He very much falls into the Dick Van Dyke school of being <laughs> a lamplighter. Well, speaking of, so he takes sort of the place of Bert. They ask, where's Bert? And it's such a, a lame excuse. It's so lame. He's off traveling the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. But Dick Van Dyke does show back up in this movie. 
I didn't get that far. I know you didn't get that far. Uh, if I had known, I actually would have made it that far. Well, you would have had to make it basically to the end. Oh. It's like the last Darn it. 10 minutes of this film. Ugh. He shows up. I don't think he's playing the same old man, but he's playing another old man who now like owns the So bank. now he's an old man playing an old man? Yeah. How meta. But he looks exactly like the character from Mary Poppins. Because oh my now he is old and he's playing. It's he's, like Mary. It's like Maggie Smith getting aged up in Peter Pan. Yeah, and now she and now she looks the same. Oh wow! Yeah, it's basically that. So he he makes a quick cameo in there. He kind of saves him at the end. He, is it like a, a Deus Ex Machina? Deus Ex Machina. It, the whole movie is a Deus Ex. <laughs> no, machina. I have to be able to say it. Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> there, I said it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that because basically you. they're trying their whole time they're trying to find this deed, right, from Mr. Banks Senior, the father. And then evil Colin Firth is the bank manager. Yeah. He burned it. He burned it. But I don't thing. know why he did that. Uh I don't either. I don't really understand his motivation, honestly. In that so film. they go to the bank and they say, Colin Firth, we <laughs> Yeah, they're like We're hey. looking for it and he says, Oh, I'll do anything to help you and then we and see then him burn. It. Burn it, but what would his it, motivation be? They for? don't really gain anything from like owning their house. I guess maybe like they would get the house he would back, get the shares back. I don't know. It's it's a kids movie, so they I don't think they expected you to pay attention. Well, I was paying attention. Oh, me too. I and was I, a Mary Poppins watchdog, and I am not. Satisfied. It bothers me. Yeah, I still don't understand okay. anything about him. Anyway, but yes, Deus Ex Machina, the kite that one of the kids patched up. It's Michael's kite from the first movie. They flip it over and the kid has patched it with the deed miraculously. Oh, I called that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, it's very it obvious. It was a little it's too telegraphed on, from very far away. Well, it was a little too on the nose when you see the kid with the, the box of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. then she says, we have to go to the park and you have to patch your kite. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's an okay movie. Let's oh, talk it's about... it's also got Angela Lansbury and Meryl Streep. I just want to quick... I know. See, you didn't get far enough in this the movie. The Queens? Yeah. Meryl Streep plays Topsy, who is not in the first book, but she is in Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, there's a chapter about her crazy cousin. He's a man in the book, but his whole world goes topsy-turvy every, like, third Monday or first Monday or something like that. So have you noticed in the books that they're very into on every third Monday? Yes. Or every, every Mary Poppins gets every second, second Thursday off. Yes. Yeah. I think that just really tickled PL Travers. I think so too. So Meryl Streep makes a quick appearance. She's got a whole song in there and I'm so upset that you didn't make it through this song because boy, howdy, you need to watch it. Would I like it or hate it? You would hate it, but you would love it. Because you hate it. And then Angela Lansbury, who I just love her, she shows up at the very end. She's the balloon lady who, again, isn't in Mary Poppins. She's in Mary Poppins Returns, I believe, and says everyone has a balloon for, you know, a balloon that's like specifically your balloon. And they all, if you pick right, like magic will happen. But balloons pop. Shh. They all <laughs> No. They all pick the balloon that's right for them and it lifts them into the sky. And that's the end of that movie is everyone is just like flying up with their balloons. So it it, it turns into up? No. It's listen, if you ever compare this movie to up again, I <laughs> you're gonna come over this table. <laughs> I will straight up fight you. You're up gonna is, flip this podcasting up is table. my favorite movie of all time. And it's complete sacrilege to compare it to this movie. So Dang. Yeah, yeah. It just got real in here, you guys. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Cut the tension with a knife. Yeah. That's all I want to say about that movie. It, it's not bad. It's not great. Tell me more about, quickly towards the end, mm -hmm. the differences in personality between the movies. 
of Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins in this Mary Poppins Returns is closer to the book. Yes. She's sarcastic. Yeah, she's a little bit more... Acerbic. Yeah, yeah. She's got an edge to her. You can tell she's a little bit less likely to just, like, wink at the kids or have that sparkle in her eye. They're like, we don't believe in like fun stuff and she was like oh I guess if you don't believe in fun stuff we'll just go on this magical bathtub adventure underseas with these dolphins but if you don't like it you can just stay here whatever mm-hmm. yeah she is at like- that point I was like I'm out <laughs> She's like that throughout the movie. So she is closer to the book one, but she still is more uh, happy and, Hmm. you know, carefree than the Mary Poppins of the books. I'm going to talk about one more adaptation before we say goodbye today. Uh, Recently, they have made a Broadway musical of Mary Poppins, and I was fortunate enough to see it at Theater Under the Stars when I lived in Vancouver, Canada. Is there anything you haven't seen? I love theater. I do too. I have seen Cats. Okay. Um, But my, my... Friend and coworker Renee was Mary Poppins in oh. this Theater Under the Stars production in beautiful Stanley Park. It's like the Central Park of Vancouver, and it's so it's like it's almost like a Shakespeare festival setting. Mm-hmm. So it's Cute. outdoors, and wow, it's an amazing show. It's really fun, and it has so many fun special effects. So of course she can fly, and seeing practical effects for her pulling um, objects oh, out of out her, her bag, bag on stage is, is really fun. Hmm. So if you get a chance to see the Broadway version, the musical of Mary Poppins, do it. If you get a chance to see any Broadway musicals, this is what I'm discovering about us. We'll just tell you to go see them all. More Except or less. Cats. Just no, watch the video. You should watch. No, uh, I don't know. Don't do that either. I mean, do, but be prepared to hate watch. Anyway. Anywho. <laughs> thank you guys for joining us today. This has been another episode of The Book Isn't Necessarily Better. I'm Michaela. And I'm Roxanne. And one last question, Michaela, mm-hmm. before we say goodbye. What would the flavor of your medicine be oh. if it was given to you by Mary Poppins? So in the movie, she has rum punch, yeah. lime cordial, and... Uh, strawberry. 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 Mine would probably be like a tropical smoothie. Oh, okay. It's like pineapple mango. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. You? Blackberry. <laughs> there you have it. Blackberry crumble. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. We will hear from you next time. Goodbye. Look, we're being so reasonable and nice to each other. Never, never land. <laughs> so you're cocky. Yes. <laughs> so bad, right? Okay, it's very bad. Okay, sorry. I have a crush on Mr. Banks there. I said it. Oh. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs>